Hi, and welcome to Transistor Radio. I'm Jody Denethorne. And I'm Kelly Denethorne. On today's show, we will be discussing how can you tell if someone is being genuine? Our second topic today has to do with lawsuits being filed against school districts for withholding information about transgender students. Okay, and the last section we have today is my favorite. What the hell? And today is going to be all about people licking things. Yeah, you heard it. Yeah, we'll get there. It's going to be fun and weird. So, welcome. Thanks so much for being here. So the first part of our podcast today is how can you tell if someone's being genuine? Yes. And I think that that has to do with primarily who you're talking about. So I kind of categorize my response to this with two different groups. The first group would be known people, people that are in your life that you actually know and observe on a semi-regular basis. That might be like friends or family, loved ones or coworkers even. Uh, I think with that particular group, we want to know whether or not somebody is being genuine because we care about them and we want the very best for those people in our lives. And we're concerned because gender transition is seen as something that's very big for many people. Yeah. And so we want to make sure that people know what they're getting into and know what they're doing. And I think that people are very worried about what happens if you end up regretting it. So I think in general, how can you tell on whether or not somebody's being genuine is the uh, three words of insistent, consistent, and persistent. And that's oftentimes the criteria that is used by therapists to judge whether or not somebody is is a good candidate for transition. If they have those three things, that they continue to state that they are the gender that they say that they are. And it doesn't leave, it stays over time. And that's a large part of it, is that it's not something that is just a spur of the moment decision, which is sadly, I think oftentimes what people think about transgender people that, you know, we wake up one day and we just say, oh, well, I'm gonna gonna try this other gender for a while. Mm -hmm. And without understanding that for most of us, We've known that there's something different about us. We've known that we are transgender, even if we didn't have the language. When we start becoming public about it, it's already something that has been in our brains for a very long time. Yeah. And from what I've seen with people who are transgender, it's not a whim. It's not a passing thing. I really feel like the people who I've met who are honestly transgender, there's no doubt this is not an experiment. You are insistent, consistent, and persistent. You are like, this is the whole truth. This is not like, hey, hey, fun, fun time, whatever. This is real. It's who you are. I would say that for most human beings that they wouldn't fake being transgender because really there's nothing to gain and there's a lot to lose. Ooh, yeah. And and really in terms of transitioning for our family members, we want to know, you know, are they actually transgender? That's something that I wondered for a really long time about myself and whether or not I'm really transgender, whether or not I actually need to transition. And what I've learned is that transition regret is actually very, very low. Some people do indeed detransition, and it's about 3%. 97% of all people at transition are happy um, with their transition, and 3% of people do detransition. But interestingly, only 5% of that group that detransitions actually thinks of themselves as not transgender. The number one reason for detransitioning is family pressure. They have a hard time from their family um, accepting 
accepting them in their new gender roles. And so they end up detransitioning to make those people happy. Not because they actually believe they are not transgender. Right. They do believe that, but they feel like uh, a guilt, uh, an obligation. Mm-hmm. And so they go back to the old way. Most trans people love these people and we need people in our lives. And so they will. And they'll listen to people and they will stop their transition. It's very, very sad. Um, again, this happens very, very rarely that, that small, people even yeah. oh, yes. detransition. We're overly obsessed in our society about those people who might experience some sort of transgender regret. Mm-hmm. Yes, our dog is making such lovely noises during our episode today. So I said that I felt that there were there were two groups, and the second group is basically strangers, which is people that you just see on the street or at the grocery store, or these are people that you don't know. And so how do you know that they're being genuine about who they are? I think that's, you know, that's, that's like the million dollar question. How do you really know whether or not anybody that you actually meet is being honest about who they are and how they present themselves? It's really, really very challenging. I agree. I think that it is really hard to go out in the world and really be confident that the person who is in front of you is for me I don't really think about gender a lot but I do think about like are you a good person I don't I don't know I don't know you I have no idea what kind of intentions you have in life and mm-hmm. and so for me it's trust it is a trust issue can, can I trust you yeah as a human being and that's tough that's it's really tough to know to just meet somebody and to be able to judge whether or not you can trust them or not yeah whatever initial impression i get of a person i don't know i don't know why gender's not a thing i don't really think to myself is that a man is that a woman are you non-binary are you totally don't think about it but for me often it's, it's trust like i don't care whatever is happening with you as a human, but if I get a weird vibe from you and I can't trust you, that's tough. I think that with strangers, that sadly what happens oftentimes is that we judge people based upon their visual impression and their behaviors. So we often judge people about whether or not they're being genuine about who they say they are in terms of gender specifically, based upon whether or not they look that role. If they, if they look like a woman and they say that they're a woman, then we're more apt to believe them than to say if they completely go against typical gender norms, then we have a hard time believing it when they say what, what they are. And sadly, that's how being transgender is, that transgender is an, it's an internal thing. It is not an external thing. It, everybody sees the external part of what it is to be transgender, but being transgender is that our brains don't align with our bodies. And so internally, and we may very well see ourselves as a woman, but we may not appear anything how a woman would have tra- traditionally appear. The same thing with a trans male, that a trans male may not look anything like what we might traditionally think that a man looks like. And this is often how we judge whether or not somebody's being genuine. Mm-hmm. But um, that's not that's not really something that you can often use. And so I think that for most people, for most of the time, I just take them at face value, making sure that I'm being aware and I'm being safe yep. about my situation, my surroundings, sure. and um, not being foolish in my assumptions about people. But if people are going to tell me who they are or if they're going to present a certain way, then I will just accept them. I know that for me, that when people asked me prior to my transition, because I was kind of in an in-between stage for many years, when people asked me polite questions, I know that I would 
was willing to answer them. Oftentimes I might appear as me, but then I gave them a male appearing ID and they were really confused. And so I had to have some open, polite conversations with people and people were very understanding. They really were. I mean, like 99.9% of the time, it was amazing because I was concerned about it, people treating you well. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah. I think if we're honest and we're open and you're willing to ask politely and or answer questions politely, then that's the best way to interact with that situation. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So I think that that pretty much answers that question uh, on whether or not uh, Mm -hmm. you can tell if somebody's being genuine. Okay. So our next topic is having to do with lawsuits being filed against school districts. Mm -hmm. And the title of the article said, parents of trans kids have a right to know. Mm -hmm. Interestingly, it sounds kind of pro-transgender in a way. Parents have this right to actually know, but it's really actually not pro-transgender. It's really anti-transgender. The little sub headline is, Texas schools must not keep gender identities secret. And that's really what is at issue here. Schools have been directed for the most part to not inform children's parents when the child expresses a gender identity. And in California, it is actually a law that teachers can't tell a parent about a child's transgender identity unless we have explicit permission from that child to share that information. And it can't be implied consent. It has to be explicit consent to share that with a parent. Um, So some parents have said, well, that's wrong. I have a right to know all information about my child at any time. And they have filed lawsuits. This is apparently an article that was published in the Dallas Times, but this was actually based off of an article in the New York Times. Mm. This particular story really is focused on parents being very upset about this policy. They feel that if their child were to express a gender identity that we as schools would need to inform them. And oftentimes parents are really confused about this. Like, why is it that we would actually keep any information from a parent about their child? So in California, again, this is a law. And I think it's it's a law because it really is something that is designed, um, it's designed to protect students. Yes. And that's ultimately who our responsibility is to, in, in my mind. My responsibility is not to a parent of a child. No. My responsibility is to that child. I treat the children in my classroom as individual human beings, that they each have their own rights. And it's my job as a teacher to respect their rights. And so if a child were to tell me that they are transgender and they would prefer for me to not share that information with their parents, then I would not. Because I believe that if that child truly did feel safe to share that information with their parents, that they would. And they wouldn't request to not you know, for us to not say that. And that's just not just transgender. I've had non-binary students say this. I've had gay and lesbian kids say this. I've had kids who would like to be called a different name and or pronouns. And have asked, please don't call me that in front of my parents. Please use what's on the, the school roster. And I try my best to always, I never tell a parent. Sometimes I mess up and maybe call them the wrong thing, but I never tell a parent because that's that's really like breaking a bond. And by law in California, I can't tell a parent this stuff. Yeah. So, but there's a lot of iterations of children who are trying to be who they really are, but don't feel safe necessarily in their family dynamic, whatever that is, to say that to them. So 
Yeah, there's a lot of persecution of mm-hmm. transgender people by family members, sadly. I think that it's important that schools have this law in place or have this protocol in place because it is essentially meant to give students a safe place to be able to express who they are um, in an environment that is free from persecution. If we were to tell parents, essentially we're risking that child's life because it has been shown that transgender children that have acceptance have typical average suicide rate. For society in general, it is around 4 or 5%. But for transgender children, it's somewhere around 50%. What I've heard is that sometime in their lifetime, about half of all transgender people will attempt suicide if they are not being supported in who they are as a transgender human being. With family acceptance, Mm -hmm. it really normalizes that suicide rate. So schools supporting transgender students is very important. It could lead to a student not trying to commit suicide because they felt included, they felt heard, they felt like they could be themselves in some place in life so that they can, you know, grow and be who they're supposed to be. There are many examples of transgender children that were not supported and there were dire consequences. And one of those people is Leela Alcorn, I believe that you pronounce um, her last name. And this is a person who ended up committing suicide in 2014. So it's been nine years. This was a well-known situation because she actually had her suicide note posted up like on the night of her suicide, like after she committed suicide, the suicide note appeared on her Tumblr. She essentially ended up committing suicide because she felt completely hopeless. Because her family really isolated her once they found out that she was transgender. And they tried to send her to conversion therapy, where basically what Leela was taught and what she was shown, which is you're wrong, that the way that you were created, the way that you see yourself is wrong. And I think that when people are told that they're wrong, that it makes them so that they're hopeless. And when we are are hopeless as human beings, bad things happen to us. We hurt ourselves. We hurt ourselves, and then we also put ourselves in situations where we can be hurt. Mm -hmm. And that's just that. Breaks my heart. She seemed like a lovely human being, and uh, the lack of support from her community was, I believe, after reading her story, is what led to her choosing. So you said the lack of support of her community. It's really the lack of support of her family. Family. Because it was really her... But her family... What happened, the problem is, is that her family isolated her Mm. from her larger community that you know the the problem is is that a child will a child if a child feels safe in their house to express who they are they will express who they are to them first because that's their their point of safety but if that family if that family unit is not their point of safety well then they're not going to go ahead and express that so you need to give them a location that they have that is their point of safety and that's what schools can function as Mm. schools can function as their point of safety we don't want to keep things private from parents. I I often feel really bad that I can't have conversations Mm -hmm. with parents about the realities of their children. Me too. To be able to help them, but I need to be able to be that point of safety for that child, that this child can Mm -hmm. express themselves in my school, or at least in my classroom, that they know that they can be safe inside my classroom, Mm -hmm. and they're not going to be hurt. And I do allow my students to be able to have that safety in my classroom, because I think it's really important um, yeah. to them. So ultimately, I think like that's what this, like what that this, one spot this stems yeah. from, is that schools just want to provide that point of safety for students to be able to help them 
to be able to grow. We're not interested in indoctrinating. We're not interested in, you know, forcing transition upon anybody. We want to be able to give students and human beings the freedom to express who they are. Yeah. And I think that ultimately that's what community should do. And so that's what family should do. And that's where it should start. It should start. That safety should start in the family. And that's where it should begin. It flows out from the family into the greater community and the greater community accepts. Should be. But if the family's not going to be there to do that, then then, then it's, it's our responsibility as educators to do yeah. that. Yeah. No, I 100% agree with you. Yeah. So there you go. Mm-hmm. Are we moving on to Jody's What the Hell? All right. So our last segment of the day is What the Hell. And today is a version of What the Hell that is, why are you putting your tongue on that? Yeah, you heard it. So Kelly sent me a really great article that says, the National Park Service wants humans to stop licking toads. So, yeah, so the National Park put out an article, a short article, right? It was like, hey, people, just stop licking the toads. Stop licking the banana slugs. Stop eating mushrooms. You have literally no idea what they're going to do. And so I thought, well, this is great, right? How do we get from licking things and onto eating mushrooms? Well, I think because it's from the National Park Service where, you know, people can go out and explore things and look at stuff that they don't usually... So people are looking for various ways to to get high to basically to get high and admittedly I, uh, I kissed a banana slug. Well, I, I kissed like, a banana slug when I was yeah. a child, but I wasn't yeah. to get high. No, no. It was just a... It was peer pressure. Yeah, peer pressure. Gross. For me. For me. I went to camp. Yeah, camp. And you go to camp, and apparently you hike around the forest. And you find these... And you find banana slugs wherever we were. And then you're supposed to kiss it because yeah. that's what you did. But do you remember how horrible the, the stickiness of it? I mean, like, I felt like what I wanted to do was take sand and just rub it on my face. I don't know if I ever... I never actually did kiss the Oh, I did. Now that, now that I think about it, because that really doesn't sound like me. I just was too squeamish. And I think you'd remember because it was so thickly slimy. Viscous? Viscous. Love it. Yes. Oh, it was okay. bad. Okay, anyways. Okay. Uh, so I think, you know, they're like, hey, don't do that. And so I was curious, right? Now, I do know around the world that there are a lot of frogs and toads that secrete things that can make you high. Are there more than one? Oh, many, 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 many in the world. Yes. But in the United States, they would really like you to not lick the Sonoran Desert Toad. Why is that? Because that's the one that has the best drug trips? Well, it can actually make people sick even if they touch it. Okay. Yeah. And so then licking it, it's a thing. So is this like one of those drugs where you're like, you know what, if you lick it like a little bit? Yes. Then you're you're okay? Yes, that's absolutely right. Because recently people including boxing legend Mike Tyson, have been smoking the secretions of this particular toad because they believe it might have therapeutic benefits. Interesting. And being used as a form of therapy for addiction treatment. Oh, okay. Okay. All right, but don't do it. Don't Don't do it on your own. But don't try it on your own. Fascinating. I thought, okay, cool. I'm going to look up more things. And I really was thinking more stuff like that. Like more, because I know all over the world there are frogs and such like that. Yeah, didn't you find another frog story? I did, but this was not what I thought. There are dogs who have learned in Australia that if they lick toads, they can get high. So it's dogs doing what we were just talking about humans doing. 
Yes, but they sometimes, you know, smarter than humans, have learned that they have to lick it in certain quantities. And so they've learned, like, do I look a lot? Do I look a little? Just the right amount to get what they want. That's hysterical. Yeah. And they're not saying these dogs are dying from this at all, where some people who were licking those toads did too much and they died. Right. Died but no, the dogs are like, no. I wonder if that's what it says on their gravestone. I died from licking a toad. <laughs> that I, That's kind of cool. That would be amusing to, would be, to walk it, by. It I don't know if it would be an amusing way to die. I agree because it probably wouldn't be comfortable. Okay, so what else do people lick? What oh. else What else are we humans putting our tongue on to? Okay, I, I'm sorry. You're not going to be able to unhear this, people. I apologize. There was a woman who was on the show My Strange Diction, and uh, she was addicted to licking her cat. Ew. So, 43-year-old woman really liked to lick her cat. And not like in a sexual way, people stop it. No, just the fur. Even more ew. I totally didn't go there. I know, people, but lick the cat. Well, at least you're not saying lick the pussy. That's the reference I was trying to make sure people weren't thinking that's what it was. No, she liked the cat fur feeling on her tongue. It makes her feel closer to her animal. But the part that maybe is not so good is that she also likes to eat the fur. Okay, gross. Yeah. I really was thinking things like a Christmas story. You know, you put your tongue on the pole. I didn't find stuff like that. I found this weird ass stuff. Okay. I'm not done, people. I'm sorry. Next one. Yeah, apparently in the last several years, five plus years, it's a new craze to lick people's eyeballs. No. Nope. 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 That's not happening. No, it's apparently it's like a sexual thing. No. You know we're going to be no, so not. intimate. <laughs> nope. 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 I'm going to lick your eyeball. No. Promise. I'm, I'm not going to show you. Okay. But I'm looking at the picture. I already saw it. I see. Why do you have to print these things? Well, because I need... I have to have... Okay. Pictures. All right. That's not, not pictures, but I need to have information, so... That's fine. Yeah, so it is I a thing that people look. have gotten into. Okay, uh, so people lick eyeballs, but you also said somebody licked eyeball with hot sauce, or... Well, there's two things this. is this. beyond. This is so far beyond. I'm just, the whole thing was just licking stuff. Okay, all okay. right. No, no, no. That's fine. I know, but, but I, no, I'm, not saying, I'm not saying you reporting on it as beyond. No, it just... Yeah. Like the, I, I'm, okay. I'm saying the behavior is beyond. Okay. You are correct there. But there's two things. So, yes, one couple apparently decided that one person would eat really hot peppers and then lick the other person's eyeball. And that person went to the emergency room. Oh, yes, I would imagine so. And not only that, but um, there are a lot of bacteria in your mouth, apparently, that can give you pink eye and herpes. So, Ew. maybe no. Herpes of the eyeball. That's what you have for the rest of your life because we don't get rid of herpes. No. It's the suitcase you never get rid of. Okay, we might have time for one more. This one is just sort of bizarre. Somebody made a bet in England with his friend that he could lick over 40 cathedrals in England. Why? Why is this a bet? Why would somebody make this a bet? I don't understand how you get to that point. I don't know. Two dudes. Oh, and the fun part is if he didn't do it, he had to run naked around York Minster. And if he succeeded, the other guy had to do the same thing. Why is that ending up the bet? Like, what? How I still I'm stuck on this. I'm stuck on. I don't know why. I understand betting. I understand challenges between boys. But why is the challenge that you can lick a cathedral? What does it mean to lick a cathedral? It seems like basically he just had to go to the cathedral and do a 
with his tongue. On the surface someplace. Okay. He said, a variety of tastes range from the quite tasty to the foul, sickly sweet. It sounds awful. And how could different buildings taste like that? I don't know. From tasty to sickly sweet. I don't know. And I I don't really want to find out. Yes, no. I don't know. I honestly, I will tell you right Mm now, I was not prepared to find this weirdness when I just looked up. Uh, what people like to lick. I mean, I, and because I was not going sexual at all, I just wanted to go, what are weird things that people with their tongue on? I was not prepared. I was like, banana slugs, uh, you know. Frozen flagpole. Yeah, frozen flagpole. No. Mm-mm. And this is pretty mild compared to the other stuff I found, so. Okay, well, you um, thank you very much for a completely disgusting topic. It was a really good what the hell, wasn't it? <laughs> I mean, where it started from, you know, licking toads, I understand a bit why people lick toads. Let's, you know, I understand people wanting that whole drug rush thing, but. Um... <laughs> then licking cathedrals and eyeballs. I know. <laughs> no, I just. Mm. I know. Again, no. I was wholly surprised. And I'm not usually surprised. I'm not usually that surprised. Okay. So. All right. Well, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Fun. Today was fun. Yes. So fun. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Woo! So thank you very much for listening to our episode today. We appreciate you and would love to hear from you. Please visit our website at transistor.com. That is T-R-A-N-S-C-I-S-T-E-R dot com. There you can find all of our episodes, our show notes, and our contact information. Thank you so much for being here today. We're stoked you came. Thank you so much.